Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church. And we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open his word together and examine his incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. Good evening. Years ago, when we were back at Florida College, one of the things I was always amazed at is when D. Bowman, I'm not sure many of y'all know of or know him personally, would come and he'd give chapel talks, and he would start them all the exact same way. Okay? He would lean up on the podium like this, and he'd smile real big, and he'd say, I love you. And the crazy thing about it is, you believed it. Like, he didn't know me from, from any other person, yet for some reason, you'd listen to him say those words, and you'd believe it. It, it, was, it. it was an amazing gift he could give through those three words. I thought about trying it. It just doesn't seem like it would come across the same. But I want you to know that, that we love y'all. We are excited about going on our trip, but we were uh, talking, and I've told several of you, it's always odd when you go out of town and you find a church to worship with, and we try to always plan ahead who we're going to worship with so we can make sure that we uh, are gathering together with God's people on a Sunday, and, and it just never feels the same. You're a stranger in a room of people that, that aren't strangers but are strangers. There's just that weird feeling, that weird balance, right? And every time I do it, I, I go and I'm excited and I, I meet people. And Gibson complained uh, even just this last week of, well, we're still going to be the last people to leave, even there, because we are. We always talk to people. But I walk away from those experiences going, I'm ready to go back home. And this has become home, and, and I appreciate that from each of you. I want to dig into Acts chapter 8 as we continue on our, our kind of survey or walking through the book of Acts uh, as a family, learning about the early church. Acts chapter 8, we, we did the first part of it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're going to dig into the last portion of it this evening and hopefully be challenged in a way that will help us to to be more focused on evangelism, be more focused on who we are as a church. So we're going to do verse 26 down through verse 40. This is known as the passage about the Ethiopian eunuch, which I always thought was unfortunate that a man for forever is going to be known as a eunuch. Uh, that would be the part of my life I'd want to keep private. Uh, so I like to call him the Ethiopian treasurer and, and kind of refer to him from his title, not his condition. Uh, but, but you've got a, an, an issue there with a, with a man, and I think you probably know the story. He has gone up to Jerusalem. He's from Ethiopia. He has apparently been there for the feast, uh, but he is on his way home back to Ethiopia. And while he's on his way, an angel appears to Philip, and says, hey, I want you to go to this place and teach this man, uh, go down to this road. He got up, he went, there's an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, 
uh, who's a high official or a treasurer for Candace, and uh, he has come to worship in Jerusalem. He's on his way home, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip gets to the chariot, hears him reading from the prophet Isaiah, and says, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he says, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the scripture passage he was reading was this. This is there in verse 32 of chapter 8. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who, was who will describe his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. Now, at this point in the story, we're, we're just not told. I don't know if he just has that one section of the book of Isaiah. You've got to remember, back in these days, to have Scripture was extremely expensive. And the idea of him traveling down the road with a scroll of Isaiah, which was a hefty scroll. Uh, their scrolls were, were typically made of animal skin, uh, that had been beaten and stretched and scraped and beaten and stretched and scraped, and then they would write on one side of it, and then uh, you could imagine 66 chapters on one scroll is a, is a massive document, uh, especially when it's on animal skin. It would have been heavy. It would have been unwieldy. My suspicion is he has a small portion of the book of Isaiah, which in and of itself would have been very expensive. He is a wealthy man, but he is a man who has spent his money on a piece of scripture. And this is not like us, where we can write down scripture on a small little note card and stick it in the visor of our car. You know, not a, not a convenient thing. This would have been a treasure of his to have a, even a small portion of the scripture. So he's reading this portion. This Portion, let that sink in. The portion he's reading is the portion that is about Jesus. So the eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now I want to make a couple of observations about this story. Simple observation, nothing life-shattering, but I think worth considering and thinking about. Philip is told to go and preach to a different kind of man. I made a point earlier about the fact that he was a eunuch. Before we even get to that, we need to note he is a foreigner. How, how did Jews typically feel about foreigners? Not great. Now, this is a foreigner who has some association with Jerusalem, uh, some association with the old law. He has come to Jerusalem for a purpose. 
so they are sent to come down to Jerusalem to worship. He's heading home. He's, he's either a proselyte or he is familiar with, or maybe he's even a, a, a foreign Jew, a Hellenistic Jew. Now, let that sink in. Where do we first read about Philip in the story of the book of Acts? Do you remember? Acts chapter 6. Do you remember the issue that has come up in Acts chapter 6 was a neglecting of the widows of the Hellenistic Jews. To handle that issue, that issue of discrimination possibly, that issue of people feeling like they are being neglected because of their, their background, because of their heritage, Philip is chosen as a great man of wisdom and faith to help handle that issue. So when the gospel needs to go to a Hellenistic Jew from a foreign country, or maybe even just a proselyte from a foreign country, isn't it significant that God chooses one of those seven men that were chosen back in Acts chapter 6 to take care of this? That God doesn't just use them for one scenario for which they are, 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 are prepared, but he uses those prepared men for other scenarios. And so Philip is out there to teach a foreigner. We know Philip's willing to do that. Here, here's a man who's rich. We don't know Philip's background other than his character and what he has chosen to do there in Acts chapter 6. We don't, we don't really know anything else. He might have also been rich. He might have also been very poor. We really don't know. But I tell you, I, I have noticed over the years, people tend to get very uncomfortable with rich people. The, the average person. I had a job for a little while when we lived in Memphis as a real estate agent where I worked with St. Jude Research or St. Jude's Children Research Hospital. And I would work as the realtor who would, uh, whenever they would make hires for the nationally known doctors or, or physicians or research scientists, and they would hire them to come work at that hospital, they would connect those doctors, those men and women, with me. And my job was to take them out and, and be social with them, show them some homes, show them the communities, but go and kind of shoot the breeze with them, make them comfortable, help them fall in love with Memphis, which was kind of hard to do because it's Memphis, as much as they were in love with St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. It was interesting how many candidates St. Jude's was unable to hire, not because the people didn't believe in St. Jude and the mission there, but because they didn't want to come live in Memphis. And so they got me on board to sell people on Memphis. And the reason they put me on board with that job was partly I had a connection with the guy who did it. That's how that started. But he told me one day, he goes, Adam, he goes, the reason I want you doing this is because, because I talked about maybe getting some other people to work with me. He goes, I want you to do it. And I said, why? He goes, because not everybody can talk to rich people or doctors and make them feel comfortable. It's, it's kind of hard to do that. When you feel like you're out of your element, you feel like you don't really relate, that you can't really have the same sort of experiences, you can't enjoy the same sort of things, 
It's hard to relate in those situations. Yet Philip relates to this man. Next thing we know about this man, he's connected. He's not just a man from Ethiopia, but he is a man who is a high official of the queen of Ethiopia, and she is someone who is in charge of, he is trusted with the burden of, the responsibility of keeping her treasury. That's impressive. He's got connection. I would imagine he's not just met the queen of Ethiopia, but he's probably met the kings and queens of many places. He's a man who, who probably knew people from all over, uh, just from the political workings of different countries trying to work things out with other countries. Uh, when they needed some sort of financial thing done from Ethiopia, this was the man they called. He was the one who took, car- took charge of that. Uh, so he's connected. He knows people. He's a eunuch. Now, we don't know how long he's been a eunuch. We don't know if maybe he agreed to that as a part of uh, taking this job. We don't know if he's been a lifelong servant for Queen Candace, and he has always been a eunuch or from, from his youth. But I imagine with being a eunuch, depending on when he became a eunuch, there's also some effeminateness here. He probably acts a little different. He probably maybe even looks a little different. Didn't quite hit puberty like the other men did. But he's a seeker. It didn't matter that he was rich or foreign or connected or a eunuch or different or, or maybe even uncomfortable or he talked different. He had a different kind of accent. He's colored different. Uh, there's all sorts of ways in which we can identify he was more than likely extremely different than Philip. None of those things mattered because he was a seeker. He wanted answers about Jesus. And so Philip gave him answers about Jesus. Isn't that important to note? For us today, as we go out into this world and we find people who are different than us. And while I I don't often see there being much of a deal made about the color of skin anymore, you do see a lot of differences made about other things, like, well, they're from the West Coast. I've heard that before. We had a conversation at lunch today about they're just a little more loose in their understanding of things on the West Coast. They're they're Democrats or they're Republicans or they're conservative or they're liberals. And so we find dividing lines that we can draw in the sand as to why this person no longer is a viable candidate for the gospel because they are different. They're effeminate. Or she's manly. Or I don't like the way they dress. Or they make me uncomfortable. Or uh, I, I, we just not, we're not going to have a lot in common because of their background or because of their finances or because of the kind of job that they do. Or we might even draw lines in the sand based on the sins 
that we know or we think they are involved in. Well, because of their marriage situation, we're not even going to present the gospel to them because they're not going to accept it. Take that to the other extreme. Well, they're religious already. Their dad is a pastor. Their grandfather is a pastor. They even went to seminary. So they're already religious. They already know what they need to know. What lines in the sand have you drawn? When God says go, and you've said no. We do that. And I love that our example here from Philip was not to pay attention to the differences, but to go when the Spirit said go. And he took the gospel to this man, and he began from where this man was and what little bit he, he understood, because he didn't understand this passage from Isaiah, and he started there and taught him what the Scripture said about Jesus. I love that. The truth is, it doesn't matter what kind of person we're dealing with. It's the same gospel. It's the same gospel that still points to Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says, Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received on, uh, uh, on which you have taken your stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I passed on to you the most, that as most important what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to twelve, and he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of them still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. You hear that? I delivered to you the gospel, the gospel which points to Jesus. Now put yourself in Paul's shoes. Paul grew up as a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews, somebody with, with great clout, with great heritage, with great pedigree. He was a man who was, who was destined to become one of the great Jewish leaders, preaching to a group of Gentiles in Corinth. Did he draw lines in the sand or did he preach the gospel? He preached the gospel. He preached it because the gospel still saves. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jews first and also to the Greeks. Notice there, it's the power that saved to Jews and Greeks. Not Jews only, not Greeks only, not one group of people and not another group of people. It, it saves everybody, anybody willing to come and hear the gospel. They can be saved. And if that's not clear enough, turn over to Romans chapter 10. Another well-known passage, Romans chapter 10. I'm going to start reading in verse 9 in just a moment. 
Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Here we're told, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. One confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says everyone, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Since there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, because the Lord is the same Lord of all, richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you notice how many times in that short little section it emphasized everyone, all, anyone, all who believe, all who are confess, all of them can have their sins washed away. All of them can be saved. There's no distinction. There's no deciding one person is more worthy than another. There's no uh, worthiness when it comes to responding to the gospel. The problem is not that there aren't enough seekers. The problem is there aren't enough teachers. What is it that Jesus says for the, har or, uh, the, the fields are white to the harvest? For the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Read on with what Paul says in Romans chapter 10. Verse 14, how, can, how then can they call on him whom, in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes by hearing what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Philip was an example of this. A preacher who went to preach because the gospel needed to be shared. That's all that mattered. You see, the gospel still requires you and me to obey if the gospel's going to get out, out there into the ears and the hearts of people who need it. And I tell you, I, I have been guilty, and I assume you have been guilty, of just not sharing it when the opportunity showed up because I made a judgment call as to whether I would be wasting my time or not. Do you know how easy it would have been for Philip to go, you know what, that, that guy's rich. Uh, and and, and he, he's on a journey. He, he's not going to want to hear, stop and hear the gospel. He, he's not going to want me to interfere and slow down his trip. He's not going to want me to stop him on this road. Uh, he doesn't know me from anybody. How is he going to trust in me that I'll give him any sort of answers? He could have justified walking away in so many ways, and I know it because I have justified away in so many different ways but he doesn't he goes to this different kind of man and he teaches him we know that the gospel still brings rejoicing do you notice the end of that story 
that Philip, they stop the chariot, they go down in the water, Philip baptizes them, and Philip is whisked away. I don't know how suddenly, I don't know if maybe they hugged, and then all of a sudden the eunuch's hugging nothing, and suddenly Philip's just gone. I, I don't know if Philip said goodbye and walked away, and, and he just didn't see him anymore. The implication, the way I read it, is Philip just disappeared. He was baptized, he came up, and then Philip was gone. And, and did you notice his response to that wasn't, well, what just happened there? His response was, "Woo, I'm saved. Because the gospel brings rejoicing. Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 4. When the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, he poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good work. These are good and profitable for everyone. When you learn the gospel message, and you learn that you suddenly have hope you never knew you had, you have a chance to wash away all the problems and the guilt and the, the difficulties that you've been fighting with and wrestling with and emotionally dealing with. That you, you can no longer have to fear death, you no longer have to fear disease, you no longer have to fear persecution. That you gain a community as we talked about this morning. Uh, that when you realize that, that responding to the gospel is made possible because of the love and the mercy and the kindness and the goodness of our God, who shows us that he is abundantly good, how can you but rejoice? How, how can you not be excited about that? Isn't it an awesome thing to know that we have a that good a God who is still connecting Phillips with eunuchs? Excuse me, treasurers. Isn't it good to know that God still has soldiers in place ready to go out there and share the gospel and to swing that sword of the spirit against the devil and to win people back and that we're sitting in a room of them? Isn't that refreshing? Isn't it good to know that when I'm beat down by the world, I got a whole community of people who will pull me up? Isn't it good to know that the good news is still good news? So Philip obeys. He goes where he's told. He hears, he overhears the book of Isaiah being read. And, and he's like, man, I know this. I can share this message. I, I got this message down. 
And he climbed in that chariot, and he is willing to share the gospel with a man who, who likely would have had no other chance to hear it. I mean, you've got to remember, the church has begun in Jerusalem. It has started to spread from Jerusalem up to Samaria, but we don't think it, at this point that it's gone very far. This man, this treasurer, is heading out of Israel all the way down the, the eastern side of Africa to, to Ethiopia. He's not going to be nearby anymore. We also know that the church has spread from Jerusalem at this point. So if he comes back to Jerusalem for another feast, he's not going to face thousands of Christians in a city. He'll face hundreds maybe. This, this is the opportunity for him to receive the gospel. And so Philip gladly gives him the gospel. The treasurer says, hey, I need to be baptized. Look, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized, he says. And so they go down in the water and he baptizes him. I, I love all that. Because that is a story that still is happening today. If the laborers will get out and work the fields. Tiffany's Facebook friend with a preacher from Africa. And she remarks, she gets a report uh, every, every week, typically on a Sunday every week and almost every week my wife goes man they're killing it down in Africa and I'm like what do you mean so today's they had 27 baptisms this week where, where that man works now again I, I don't have the details of that I don't know all the the the, the ins and outs of how they're working and what they're doing and, and how they're piecing it together and how many of them are staying faithful and all of that you know what that matters. What an awesome thing it is that 27 people, as far as we know, said, he will be my Lord, and they had their sins washed away in that one small place. I don't know how many Christians are there doing that work or if that man's doing it all by himself. I don't know the circumstances uh, of how he's delivering the gospel and what, what kind of lives those people live. I, I don't know any of that. I know that man has become convinced he needs to get out there and share the gospel with people. And in so doing, people are responding to the gospel because it is still good news. And I am convinced that if we will get out there and share the gospel with people, they will still respond to the gospel because it is still good news. People still need the gospel. And I think one of the problems we have when we take the gospel out there is that we are trying to take the gospel to people who are just like us. They make the same money as us. They have the same kind of houses as us. They drive the same kind of cars as us. They have the same family structure of us. And, and, and that's who we're trying to reach. But you know the truth is, the people we need to find are Ethiopian treasurers. They're different. They're different than we are. They, they come from a different place, a, a different situation, a, a different life circumstance. They are different than us. Why aren't we talking to those people? 
Because I guarantee you there are some of them who are opening up the book of Isaiah going, we don't have a clue what this means, and we wish someone would share it with us. And I tell you right now, if we'd start praying for those opportunities, God knows who those people are, and he will connect us with them the same way he connected Philip with the unit. Philip was whisked away to a new place. And, and did you notice the very end, what it says about Philip? This, this is really, uh, we read you know, Philip mentioned in other passages, but this is the last story we have about Philip. But, but I love what it says there in verse 40. Philip appeared, remember he was whisked away, disappeared in one place, appeared in another place, as, as, as far as I can tell from the reading. He appeared in Azotus, and he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. <laughs> Do you see that? He got whisked away. He got, job didn't change. I still got to preach. I still have to teach. I still have to share the gospel with people who need it. I, I want to take you on a short little sidebar, and then I want to wrap up the sermon, uh, because you probably noticed I didn't read verse 37. Uh, maybe you didn't, because your version might not have verse 37 in there either. Okay, some of you probably did, and noticed I did not read verse 37. My version doesn't have verse 37 in it. Uh, my New American Standard Bible does have verse 37 in it, but verse 37 says, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then it moves on to talk about them going down in the water. The reason that's not there, in case this has worried you a little bit, is that that verse is not in the early manuscripts that we have, the earliest manuscripts that we have of Scripture. It is in later manuscripts, and it is in later manuscripts abundantly, but it is not in the earlier manuscripts. So some Bible translators have decided that it probably wasn't original to the text. It was something that was added in later, and therefore they have exempted it or omitted it from the Scriptures. Uh, here's what I find interesting about it. It doesn't change anything. Is there still a need to confess with the version that I read, even if I skip over verse 37? Yeah. And the reason we know there's a need to confess is because of what we read over in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and following, where it says, If you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord then you will be saved. So the need to confess hasn't changed. The story's message doesn't change with the omitting of that verse. The process to salvation has not changed in the least, even if that verse is missing. And our faith in God and our trust in the Scriptures should not change either. I point this out because there are some who will make a big deal about the fact of, look, there's a discrepancy in your Bible. Does it change anything? No. So why make a big deal about it? God's story and God's answers remain true for anybody who wants to come to Jesus, no matter what their background is. That's the point of the story. Anyone can come to Jesus. They need to hear the word. They need to believe that word. And then they need to respond to that word. 
We know responding to the word of God involves repenting, it, re- it involves confessing, and it involves having your sins washed away in baptism. None of that story changes, even if you take out verse 37. The story itself is still a powerful story of teaching anyone and everyone because the gospel works. So, the gospel call is still the same. You confront Jesus. For this treasurer, that happened by reading a short little snippet from the book of Isaiah about Jesus, and he wants to know who this Jesus is, and Philip teaches him who this Jesus is, starting with that scripture. I don't know what it is you've gone through that has caused you to confront Jesus, to come across the concept of Jesus. It might be your upbringing. It might be that you were brought up hearing about Jesus, and you've, you've decided to learn more, but you've still got a lot of questions. Well, then you need to do the exact same thing the treasurer did. You need to say, who is this talking about? Who is this person? Why does he matter? If you can do that, if you can ask that question, then you can find answers that will change your life. They certainly did for this eunuch. Tradition says that the church in Ethiopia became one of the strongest, largest churches that existed in early centuries. Where do you think that came from? Now, we, we have no way of directly connecting it, but it is, I think, significant for us to recognize that Peter being willing to meet this man on the road and teach the gospel and baptize him into Christ could have made all the difference. Could have made all the difference in the church becoming what it was down in Africa. What kind of difference could you make? Now that, that difference might start in your family and teaching your children. It might start with your neighbors. It might start uh, with, with your spouse. It might start with your coworker. I, I don't know who it is, but God does. And if you will start praying for God to make those opportunities obvious and praying that God will give you courage to walk through those doors and have those conversations about when those opportunities present themselves, who knows what God can do for effort. I encourage you, if you're not a child of God, today, tonight, it's, it's the right time. It's the time to say, you know what, I, I've, I'm ready to make that commitment. Because if, if you don't use tonight, why would you tomorrow? Maybe you need to learn something else. Maybe it's something you don't quite understand. Maybe it's something you don't think you're ready for. Then let's have a conversation. Be like the, this treasurer and say, and, and ask the question. But let's get your understanding where it needs to be so that you can belong to Jesus. I encourage you, if, if you need help, if you need an invitation to get this right in your life, have your sins washed away, we encourage you to come forward and let us know as we stand and sing this song. Hosanna, you're my king.
Thanks for listening and studying God's word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's word with us, please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.